going back Now I'm going by into all that Hey, hey, ain't gonna hide Gonna let all the fears lie Go for the major, it's all my side Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to The New Now. I'm delighted to have Max Egan back with us. Uh, and today we have decided to chat about Ikigai, something close to my heart that I, you know, now that I live in Japan. And a general definition is finding your life's purpose, living your life's purpose, you know, why you get up in the morning, what you do and why you're doing it. And uh, well, without further ado, hello, Max. Nice to be here, brother. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, always delighted. good to chat to you. Delighted, delighted. So, what do you feel about, you know, Ikigai and the way uh, I've shared the definition? No, it's good. It's it's really what life is about. It's something that I really love about Japanese culture. You know, when you get into the private sector of Japanese culture, I'm not so interested in their government culture and how they run themselves in wars. But the uh, the, the private side of, of Japanese life is uh, very admirable. They're very honorable people. And a lot of it is about self-exploration and spiritual advancement, you know, and I find that to be uh, very attractive. You know, I think it's a it's a great thing to do, and it's a, it's a good thing to focus your life on. I, I believe that we come here to grow our souls and to be the best we can be, and there's just ways through that, just certain philosophies you can apply to life that uh, support that sort of a narrative, and that's what that's what Ikidai is. I think it's great. So, how did you discover? you know, your Ikigai, your purpose in life. Maybe we can go back. You know, you, you've been at this for a long time, your spiritual growth, obviously, from, uh, you know, the Crow House to a lot of the other efforts you've done throughout your, your life and existence. Uh, you know, where would you say you started to get to where you are today and how you, uh, you know, came across, you know, the challenges and the successes of your Ikigai? Well, I, I kind of got pushed into it. I, I kind of avoided it for a long time. I woke up when I was very young to the fact that the world was all messed up. And so I just, you know, I tried to talk to people through my childhood. I tried to talk to people through my high school years. I ended up getting kicked out of four high schools for arguing with my teachers because they weren't teaching me anything about life. They were training to be a little cog in a big machine, you know. And, and by that time, I just thought, well, forget this. I'm just going to join a rock and roll band and uh, live on the outside of society and just observe the freak show. And I kind of got pushed into it with uh, when 9-11 happened. I mean, I'd spent most of my life looking at why are people so deranged? Why are people so superficial? Why don't they see that there's any real purpose to life? I remember asking my father when I was 16, you know, what's the meaning of life? And he said, there's no meaning to life, son. Just just meet all the women that you can and rah, rah, rah. And I'm going, this is not a very good philosophy, Dad, you know? And, um, you know, so but when 9-11 happened, I kind of got pushed into it. I mean, seeing 2,900 or 2,000, yeah, 997 people killed live on TV kind of made me realise that this secret world that I had been observing in the background was actually important and that it was actually coming for us. I mean, we'd always expected there to be some sort of a new world order thing happen. And uh, you never expect it to really happen in your lifetime. But when that happened, I kind of got pushed into it. There was a whole bunch of stuff that happened in my life, and I blamed my wife, and I blamed all sorts of people. I had everything I owned stolen. All sorts of stuff went wrong in my life. But along the way of my life, I'd, I'd garnered all these life skills, all these particular skills. I didn't know they were life skills at the time. They were just certain skills. I was just good at certain things. 
And uh, I've kind of found I can be good at anything I apply myself to. And I think that's the same with any people. If you actually apply yourself to something, you'll, you'll find that you, you can be at it. And I just look at stuff and think, well, they're doing it, so how hard can it be? So I just try it myself and end up finding out that I can do it. So, you know, I garnered all these life skills. And once I got all the life skills I needed to do exactly what I'm doing now, speaking out on public stages and making videos and just doing what I can to try to help improve the general consciousness of the world – then the universe took everything away from me and I had two choices. I could either commit suicide and go live in a storm drain somewhere or I could step onto my true path and believe in myself and share my knowledge and share my view of the world with other people in, in the hope that I could make a difference that way. As soon as I did that, everything fell into place and my path has just kind of unfolded before me. But I needed pushing. I needed prompting. I needed to be uh, pushed with my back to the wall really before I was prepared to put all the stuff down and stop blaming people externally for my own problems. I mean, I look at it now and I think, well, actually, I attracted all that stuff to me. Uh, you know, I might have been a nice person basically underneath, but I was too superficial in so many ways and I attracted it all to me. And the universe will give you what you need to step onto that path. It may not be a pleasant experience, but if you're open to it and you're, you're really willing to look at yourself and look at the world, you can see why these things happen. And uh, what, what it's about, I mean, you come into this world alone and you leave this world alone, and it is is what you gather along the way, what your consciousness evolves into along the way, and what sort of a legacy you've left behind. Have you improved the world by your presence in it, or were you just another pleb doing the wrong thing, which is kind of leading everything to disaster? So, yeah, and we've got a choice in this. We've all got a choice in this. And I think it's an important way to look at it. Now, depending on what culture you're in, you'll find that these sorts of understandings are in all cultures. This is what the whole ikidai thing is about. It's really about finding yourself, finding your own path. And, and everything I just said, you know, making the world a better place because you exist and leaving this world with an expanded consciousness to take that back to source or back to God or whatever you want to call it, you know. So that's what I my, my view of the whole thing anyway. And that's kind of what set me on my path. You think we're born into our ikigai or uh, it's something that we have a choice with? You know, what, what do you think of destiny and fate and, you know, looking back on your life, you know, now that you've lived a, a fair amount? I don't, I don't know about destiny or fate. I think we can change these things. I think nothing is, is predestined. We can always change it and nothing is really fated. I think we can change this ourselves by our own attitude. You know, I look at the world as being an emotional mirror. And it's what you put into it. If, if you're going to be upset about certain things, and the universe is going to give you more of that and keep you upset until you figure out that you're mirroring this yourself. You're having an emotional conversation with reality all the time. It's mm -hmm. a language that you've forgotten exists. And we're speaking this language. It's electromagnetic language of feeling and emotion all the time, every minute of the day, but we're not listening to what is being said back to us. You know, and it will mirror all these things back to you. You know, everything that I've I've done really is is just put down my stuff with people, put down my stuff with myself. Um, you know, I was so hard on myself for so many years. I used to think you know things went wrong in my life simply because I was me. I was I was just a not a, not a good person. I was I was just you know useless. I was because I, I was judging myself by the parameters that the system gives you to judge yourself by. Mm. You know, if you haven't made this much and got this much in your bank account, and you haven't got a beautiful wife and two point three kids and a white picket fence, well, you're a failure. Mm. You know, and uh, reality's not like that. It takes a long while to get over this hump. You you can't 
look at yourself and apply your understandings of yourself by parameters that are not your own, mm -hmm. the parameters that are given to us by this system especially, that will destroy you. And I'd kind of allowed that to happen. I mean, almost even through my school life and stuff, I was thinking, you know, why can't I have conversations with people? Why, why can't I just be one of the guys, you know? <laughs> and I realized that you kind of have to lower your, your socio-intellectual profile to the point that you're talking about absolutely meaningless stuff in order to be one of the guys, you know. I figured out no one wants to hang around with someone smarter than themselves. This isn't fun. And all our society seem to want to do is have fun. They're not really interested in spiritual involvement or looking at a bigger picture. It's just about instantaneous gratification of the moment. That's what a lot of our societies are based on. So you start to look at this sort of stuff and you realise that, okay, well, there's, there's a better way. But I was absolutely my own worst enemy for so much of my life. Until I realized that it's an emotional mirror. And I had some meditations and I had some experiences back around 2008. And I had these incredibly enlightening moments in some of these meditations. And I was just able to look at myself with a certain level of clarity and stop judging myself, realize that I'm, I'm flawed, the same as everybody else. That's the whole point. You, you come here flawed, but you can change the path you're on. You know, you can change, nothing is fated. You know, you can change everything because it is an emotional mirror. If you start having a different emotional conversation with reality, it's going to show you the way. It may not be what you expect, but it's going to show you the way through. And uh, I've often said, you know, if you throw yourself to the wind, you can ride it. Just don't judge where you're going to go. Don't have a stake in the outcome of where you're going to be headed because if you do, you're going to miss all these little side paths along the way. And they might be incredible places to explore and you'll end up in a place that you never even dreamed was possible mm -hmm. simply because you were open to letting the universe guide you. You know, And that's what I've done with my life for the last probably 18 years or so. And uh, it's it's worked wonders. It's It's really changed my perspective of everything. It's changed the path that I'm on. And you, know, and you kind of, when you've got no stake in the outcome, you don't get stressed, you don't get disappointed, you don't you don't go through all these these obstacles that we set up for ourselves, mm. you know, to stop us finding our path. It's even when someone says, I used to say to people, you know, what's the one thing you want to do in the world, and and what is it that's stopping you doing that? Mm. And they'll come up with all these reasons why they can't do this stuff, and these are all obstacles they're putting in the way of themselves. You know, you could just actually go and do it and, and let it unfold the way it is. It may not be the way you planned it and the way you thought it would, but you'll end up in this place, which might even be better than something you ever imagined. So, you know, it's just being open to that and, you know, not not judging life by your material gains and not judging life by, you know, the certain goals you set yourself. You get in this corporate world and this business world, you've got you to have goals, you've got to have these plans and do these milestones and get to these things. Well, I suppose if that's what you want to do, if that's what your life is, about getting that big bank account and that white picket fence and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But, you know, I think there's uh, there's better ways of looking at this. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a remarkable thing. I mean, life can take you anywhere and not where you expected. And uh, you can have incredible moments in your life and do incredible things and reach incredible people. And that's another thing I've always um, thought is, is that every person that you meet, every interaction you have, there's a meaning for it. There's something that you two can learn from each other, even if it's just a person on a shop counter, you know. And people go in there and they'll, they'll treat the servant person on the shop counter like trash. 
Mm. It's actually you could make this person's day. You could really help this person by just giving them a smile. They might go home. That'll mirror out to their family. You could end up something fantastic could happen in their family life simply because you were kind to this person. Mm. And maybe you met them because that was an opportunity for you to be kind, for you to be in Lakesh. I am another yourself. Treat the person the way you would be treated, the way you would want to be treated. You know, and you can make a huge difference in your life. You can the world that way. So, I mean, I think that's what it's really all about, brother. I think so much of the stuff they do to us is to keep us off this path. Uh, you know, so yeah. we're just living in these social structures, thinking mm. all this stuff we do is real and means something. Mm. It doesn't. What means something is your spiritual growth, your emotion, and the actual energy that you put in the field and give to others. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. There's uh, another Japanese saying basically uh, translates as you're not doing it because you're not doing it. You know, so it kind of gets back <laughs> to, uh, you know, what you've said. It's, it's really as simple as that. You know, you put all the excuses in the way and you're just not living how you want to live simply by not living how you want to live. You know, and the rest is the challenges to get there. Yeah, it's all this external in the way I want to live because you made me do something. No, no one made you do anything. You know, you can actually step onto your own path. It's really not that hard to do. You just got to put down all the trappings of society. It's kind of a freak out for a lot of people. You know, they wonder what's going to happen. And even when I came to, to Mexico here, I mean, imagine if I wasn't in that mindset when I, when I left Australia and came to Mexico. I mean, I came to Mexico, uh, my place got uh, visited by the police a couple of days after I left and they made yeah. all these false claims about me, claimed I was threatening police officers and all sorts of things, which I wasn't. And then three days after I arrived in Mexico, my bank accounts got shut down. Mm -hmm. So here I am in a third world country. I can't speak the language and I've got no access to funds. You know, if I was stuck on that path, a lot of people would have, you know, had a breakdown when that sort of thing happened. But I just kind of went, okay, well, this is the new path. Now I've got to find a way through this and I'll just let it unfold. And it did. So, you know, it, it's all about experience, brother, and how you... Uh, emotionally react to the different things that happen in your life. I mean, that could have been a moment where I, I had a meltdown and stressed out or whatever, and I just was calm, looked at it, and went, okay, well, this is the new path. This is what I say often, you, you, to be able to face infinity without flinching. Now, infinity being a, a myriad of possibilities, infinite amount of possibilities could happen any moment. You don't know what the next minute's going to bring, and whatever it is, you need to be able to just step onto that path with serenity and realize this is this is the new direction you're going in. You know, to face infinity without flinching, to be able to face with serenity odds and circumstances that were not included in your calculations and to simply be able to move forward on that path to the best of your ability and, and take it where it leads you. Because it's leading you somewhere, otherwise it wouldn't have happened. Obviously, something that you need in your life, something you need in your spiritual growth for this to go take you to the next level, are you prepared to make that step? Or are you simply going to freak out and blame someone else and fall down and cower up and live in a hole and go, oh my God, poor me. You know, so it's an opportunity. All these things are opportunities. Even the, the Chinese word for a crisis and opportunity are interchangeable. I think that's a, an interesting thing. Really? That is interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, it's great, you know? Yeah. Well, how, if you don't mind my asking, how did you survive through the challenges, you know, landing in Mexico? I've been there. You know, I remember when I had to learn how to uh, drive a stick, I bought a car and some guy was supposed to teach me after I paid for the car. And instead, he drove me to the middle of Mexico City, jumped out and ran away. <laughs> and so I was in the middle of Mexico City, my first time on a stick, uh, you know, literally, you know, the traffic if you've been there, which I'm sure you, you probably have. And, oh, yeah. and I literally was thrown into the deep end and I had no choice but to learn to drive a stick within one minute. And I did, you know, I, I, I stalled a few times and I bumped the walls once or twice, but, you know, but I made it out. Um, 
So, you know, being thrown into Mexico yourself, you know, what uh, do you have any uh, interesting sh sharing stories specifically on, on how you got over those challenges? Well, just applying myself to it. I mean, you know, I went online. I, I, after a few weeks, I worked out, you know, banks and all that sort of stuff. Got an online bank and a few things. Got my finances happening again. But so I always travel, you know, expecting something bad to happen. So I always got a decent amount of cash on me when I travel. Uh, I've always, like, mm -hmm. I've never actually bought anything at a shop anywhere using a credit card, you know, mm -hmm. a supermarket or anything. I've bought airline tickets online. And I've bought um, sometimes packets of tea bags or whatever from Amazon because you can't get them in Mexico. It's the only place I can get them, much as I don't like using Amazon. And that's a debit card that I use. I've got to actually put money in that account in order to use the card. Mm. So, you know, I've used cash everywhere I've gone for my whole life. I have no track record of any, any I don't have a credit rating. I don't have uh, any of that sort of stuff. I've never participated in the system really. So, when the system threw me out, it didn't really – all I lost really was my bank account mm. uh, because that's the only part of the system that I actually use. And I had enough cash on me. I had a few grand on me that I, I always travel with, so I was able to get through a couple of months. You live here very cheaply in Mexico. It's like about like five or $6,000 a year I can survive in Mexico, mm. which is it's pretty amazing, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just the way I did it. I mean, I just sort of went, okay, well, here I am now. I've just got to take the next step. And if I do the right thing, the universe will show me which direction to go. And, you know, and like I say, I don't ever really plan any of these things. It just kind of happens. I mean, I, that, I think that's why I've done so many things. People say to me, how have you ever done all these things when you don't plan to do them? And I say, well, it's because I just throw myself to the wind. And if I wasn't prepared to do that, I never would have done any of these things because I would have had other plans. So I just don't make plans, you know. I just let things unfold. So yeah, I mean, I got I had enough cash to get by. Fortunately, I had somewhere I could go and stay. I mean, I, I contacted a friend in Mexico and I said, "Well, look, I'm coming, so uh, it'd be great." Because he'd said, "If you if you come, I'll make sure you you've got somewhere to, to land, you know, a place, to, a safe house to come to." And I emailed him and said, "Well, I actually, put out a code on the radio show. I said, uh, if you hear me say I'm going grey or I'm going dark for a couple of weeks, that means I'm coming to Mexico." Mm. And I want to take you up on that offer to, to look after me, you know. And he he heard me say it on the show and he emailed me and said, oh, my God, I'm, I'm not even in Mexico at the moment. I'm in you know, somewhere else, like Nicaragua or, or, or somewhere, El Salvador. I don't know. He was down Central America somewhere. And um, when I arrived in Mexico, I arrived here. I had no exit tickets. They were really sus on letting me in. So you've got to have an exit ticket. I'm going, well, I don't have one. So... I don't know when I'm going to be exiting and blah, blah, blah. But I've been here six times before. I've never overstayed a visa. It's all good. Talk to the guy. They ended up letting me in. Oh, no. And I've arrived at Acapulco Airport. I've got no phone number. I've got no phone. I've got no contact details. I don't know an address where I'm going. or And I don't even know who's picking me up. He just said, I'll have one of my drivers pick you up. So I just arrived in Acapulco. Thought, well, I hope someone's here, you know. And walked out and someone was there and uh, oh. they took me back, looked after me and, and kept me in a house for a week and you know, it gave me time to find somewhere I want to be and blah, blah, blah. So I was lucky that I had that. But I just just arriving here with nothing in, in Acapulco going, well, here I am. I'm just throwing myself to the wind. I hope there's someone here to, to, to pick me up you know, if I fall. And uh, it all worked out. So, yeah. I understand. Uh, like going back to you know your exciting illumination moments when you were doing your meditations in two thousand eight, you know what what do you mean by by those? Could could you describe some of them? 
Well, I, I just had this. I had this epiphany. I just had this this really weird thing happen to me. Like, I, like I mean, I can describe it for you. I was kind of sitting in a chair, similar to this one. I was just sitting there, and I was meditating, and then suddenly, it was like I was outside my body, and I was looking at myself from every possible angle all at once. And it wasn't like a whole bunch of TV screens. Just like I was everywhere around me all at once. I was connected to everything, and. Um, I saw this, 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 and everything looked like mesh. Everything looked like like green mesh. Like I was sitting there with my eyes closed, and I'm, I'm just. And suddenly, I could see the room around me. I could see the computer. I could see all the walls. I could see through the walls. I could see people walking down the street outside. I could see across the road the houses, and then back, and then I could see the hills in the distance. And it was like I could see everything. Like I could see the whole world. The flat earth was all like this. It was like it was a flat plane. And I was looking at absolutely everything and I was connected to everything around the world. And then I had this, this moment where I was sitting outside myself and I'm looking at myself. And then I saw this, this, this light appear at the top of my head and like dropped through my head and went through my body and it hit the floor and I rippled out like a, like a, a drop of water in a pool. And, and all of the mesh, the 3D mesh turned into, turned white. And silver, and then it was like like just this this opening, this this this. It's it's hard to explain, but it's like this vortex just opened, and suddenly there were like millions of universes, and I was connected to all of them, and I had this emotional download, and I felt all of the love and all of the pain and all the sorrow of all the souls in these this multiverse, mm. and it came into me, and I just took this breath like. <laughs> And I fell out of my chair and I, I landed on my knees on the floor and I cried for seven and a half hours before I could even get back into my chair. I think, oh my God, what am I going to do when my son comes home from school? He's going to wonder what the hell's going on with his dad, you know? But um, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like I connected to a, a quantum field, like to every living soul. And I realized that it's an emotional journey. It's, and that's when I put myself in there. I thought, okay, well, I can change the world by changing my perspective to it and changing my, my emotional conversation. And um, I realized the true nature of prayer is, is to, it's not to pray for something. If you pray for something, you're acknowledging that it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. This is a negative affirmation. You pray for love, you're saying there is no love in the world. You pray for peace, you're saying there is no peace in the world. If there was love and there was peace, what would you feel like? Put yourself in that emotional state because that is the true nature of prayer. It's like a Native American will walk into a stone circle. He wants it to rain. He won't pray for rain. He'll stand in the stone circle and he will he'll put himself in the emotional state where he is standing in the pouring rain. He can feel it running down his skin. He can shiver in the, in the coldness of the water drops, feel his toes squishing in the mud and smell it running down the walls of the hut. You know, and put himself in that state, and then the rain will come, and it will rain. It's it's the prayer has already been answered. I've said to people, if you're looking for your perfect partner, what would it feel like if that perfect partner was already in your life, and you're sitting? And I'm not saying pretend you've got someone in the house with you, but just what would it feel like if you were? You know, you think you need this person to complete you. Well, what would that completion feel like? And why would you even consider another person wants to be with you if you're not complete within yourself anyway? So it's mm -hmm. kind of a negative affirmation. You know, what would this feel like? Put yourself in that emotional state where that perfect partner is already in your life. And I guarantee you, within a month or two, that person is going to walk straight into your life. And I found all this out on this day. And I thought, well, wow, you know, how do I get this word out to people? How do I harness the power of the internet? 
And I thought, well, being a radio host would be good. Maybe I don't have to use the internet. Maybe I can be a radio host. I didn't know anything about internet radio. I didn't know about YouTube. I didn't know about any of that stuff. And I, I knew about YouTube, but I didn't know about it. And I only just discovered YouTube, mm. which I thought was a place high school kids used to go and upload their videos. And I realized there's this whole truth movement there, and there's all these people expressing their lives on there. And I thought, this is interesting, you know. So I started making slideshows and put it out there. But anyway, I put myself in this emotional state where I was a radio host. I didn't change my life in any way. So what would it feel like if I was a radio host and I was speaking to people and the world was listening? You know, and I put myself in that state, that state of confidence, that state of, of knowing that the message was getting out, um, just, just in the emotional state. I didn't change anything in my life. And then within six weeks, I was offered a job as a radio host on a real radio station in Kansas, hook up online, speak out on an FM radio. You tune in, the dial in your car, you know, not internet radio. And uh, that was simply by changing my emotional state. And I did absolutely nothing to, to secure that that position. It just got, I got emailed, someone asked me, I like your voice. I like what you said on an interview the other day. We'd like to give you your own radio show. And I'm like, wow, that's how it works, you know. So it's this emotional mirror. It's this emotional conversation that you're having. And that's what I got out of that conversation, out of that meditation, the most important mm. thing. All of these these souls that were disconnected and like feeling all that love and all that pain and all that disconnection of those people because they didn't know there's a higher language, not just the five senses. There's a lot above the five senses. There's a lot of things you can do electromagnetically. This is an electrical universe. You know, the, the, the prana that you see at night when you turn the lights off, that, that static electricity, that's what everything's made of. And that electricity itself is conscious. That is where consciousness comes from. We're all connected to that. So we're really, there's only one of us here. Different aspects of that electrical energy, our thought in the mind of God, if you will. And we're all connected. You know, that's why I finish every every show with in Lakesh. I am another yourself. We are all each other. And once we can bring this unity together and realize that everyone's going to think differently to you, everyone's got a different perspective, different aspect, and that's the way it should be. But you, know, you can respect them for that. You don't have to hate them for that. You don't have to be argumentative with it. Perhaps if you just discuss your different perspectives, you'll come up with something incredible for, for each of you. You know, so you know, like I said, every person you meet, there's a lesson in there. You might tell me something that I really don't like. I mean, a great saying I, I saw someone wrote once was, I don't like you, so I need to spend more time with you. Well, because by being with someone I don't like and finding what it is I don't like about you, I can heal that in myself, and so can you heal it in yourself. So I'm not going to attack you because I don't like you. I'm going to find out what it is about me that makes me feel like that because obviously there is some reflection of myself in you that I haven't dealt with yet, you know, and it's an important way of looking at things. So that's what I got out of this meditation and it changed my life. It really changed my life. And if you get in ever that situation where you're feeling depressed and things are going wrong in your life, just realize it's an emotional mirror. You, know, you you've put yourself in this position so that because there's a, a lesson you need to learn, there's a test here for you. It's like going through an army obstacle course. You know, you got to this big ladder, rope ladder, you, you just can't possibly climb. Well, yes, you can. You know, otherwise you wouldn't have put yourself there. You know, it's like I said, all the stuff that happened to me that threw me onto this path, I brought it all on myself. And I look back at it. I can blame the people who stole from me. I can blame my wife. I can blame all sorts of stuff. But I can also look at the emotional energy I was in and realize what I was attracting. Mm. You know, it's just an important lesson, brother. For sure. Um, do you remember your first topic on the radio show, your first host topic, what what uh, what you discussed? Did you get to choose? Um, well, the first first 
time my voice ever appeared online, it was uh, someone recorded a, a little conversation I was having at a party, and everyone ended up silent. And I was speak ended up speaking to a room of about twenty or thirty people, and someone recorded it, and it was called In La Cash about how we are all each other. And I was I was telling people to look at the space behind your eyes. That 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 space where you get back to there and you can't see your hands anymore, that nothingness. That that's what I mean, as Alan Watt once said, I think Alan Watt or was it Alan Watts, so I get them confused. Um, because there was the Irish radio host and there was the, the Buddhist philosopher. But the Buddhist philosopher once said that uh, what is yeah, when you die, what could be the the worst possible thing? Well it would be nothing, nothingness, living in nothingness. And what is nothing? He said, well, nothing is what your head looks like to your eyes. And I thought that was a great analogy of what nothing is. I mean, you can't see your head. Just behind your eyes, there's there's empty space. There's a nothingness there. And that nothingness is where consciousness lives, and it's what's watching through your eyes. And that nothingness, is it's It's huge. You look at the space behind your eyes. It's like there's a whole universe in there. It's not. It, there's no way this could be contained in this little head, you know. It's that nothingness, that electrical nothingness that is connected to everybody else, and that nothingness is what is watching through everybody's eyes. When you really look at reality that way, and, and it's a way of bringing the mind of God together and a way of removing the baggage, the people that don't get it, that don't make it through, just... Everyone to make it. Not everyone's going to be up to the grade, and it doesn't really matter because there's only one of us here anyway. So, where is the problem if some of this baggage falls off the side? Really, where is the problem? You know, so it's looking at the world from that perspective, and um, I, I don't know. It just it just changes you when when you start looking at this sort of stuff, and, and when you start thinking this way, it changes your whole outlook on life, and it changes the way you apply yourself to life as well. And that's what I learned from it all. And um, yeah, I mean, and I'm still learning. I mean, I, I'm no way an expert on any of this. You know, I'm, it's it's I'm still a, a total, you know, infant finding my way through. But uh, at least I'm aware of it now, and I'm, a, I'm and I've I've proven it as well in my own life. You know, if you get annoyed with something, you're in a bad mood. Suddenly, you hit your hands with a hammer, and you're you're slamming your fingers in doors, yeah, yeah, yeah. and all sorts of stuff goes on. You know, and when you're in that good state everything just unfolds for you, you know? So there is this electromagnetic conversation. It's important to people there. And like I said, once you realise that there's only really one of us here, well, all your problems with other people kind of break down. I mean, you're sure there's stuff people I get angry with, I get frustrated with, mm. situation of what's going on in Gaza at the moment. I'm, I'm really, really upset about this and really annoyed about this because I think it's so pointless to see all this killing and all this stuff when it could be solved so simply. You know, but people, oh, there is no simple solution. No, that's that's you. That's your emotional mirror that you're creating there actually is a simple solution but you know you can't talk to people about it because that's airy fairy new age false spirituality it's not in my king james bible you know this is just unfortunately the way people think so you know faced with that you've just got to let people be themselves let them do what they're going to do and realize that it's a personal journey for all of us um, a lot of the people even a lot of the people dying in gaza at the moment Perhaps that's why they came here, so you would witness that, so you would have the spiritual growth that you need, and you should appreciate the sacrifice they're making and take the opportunity to look within yourself through all of these situations. Yeah, that's one of the hardest things for people to, to accept sometimes that some of the harder things going on in the world are there to help you through your own personal journey and done on purpose, let's say, by the souls that have come in to uh, mm, Yeah, well, you're, to you're, you're yeah. part of it. You're involved okay. in it because you're witnessing mm -hmm. it. 
Mm-hmm. So you have an emotional involvement and it's how you are going to apply that to your life and you know what you can do to change it from right here where you sit. I would agree. Well, what would you say your definition of imagination would be then? You know, taking this into play, because I would say it's a huge part in change, you know, from where you were on your knees crying for seven hours to, you know, many years later where you are now and where you've been. How did your imagination well, come into play in all of that? Well, imagination really... I mean, it's it's mind. A lot of imagination is people being stuck in mind. Um, you know, even even they're worried about their past or they're worried about their future. They're imagining a really terrible future. They're living in apprehension of what the future may bring, or they're in a state of turmoil about their past. Neither of which exists now. So both exist in the imagination, really. Um, you know, people aren't in now. They're not right here, right now, having that conversation. Imagination, sure, it's it's uh, looking at, at what you could predict for your future or, or where you might go or imagining where you might be in a few years. I, I've kind of put a lot of that stuff down. I have no clue where I'll be in a few years because I have absolutely no stake in the outcome of, of this life. Um, I'll be gone soon from this world. You know, I'm 66. I'm not going to be here forever. So um, I, I try to live like now right now and and just be in that moment that's the moment that we miss but that's where we are all the time but we're constantly worried about the future which is lost in your imagination constantly stressed about the past which is lost in your imagination so i mean imagination sure it's a it's a it's a useful thing if you're creating something i'm building a house or i'm building this or i'm doing a, a piece of artwork or you know even when i do the radio show sometimes when i i, I do my reports I'll, I'll have this idea of what i want to do and then I just I just forget it and I just go completely off script and I just I just do it. Even when I done my public speaking talks, I'll create this huge slideshow and this huge presentation. And halfway through it, my best talks when I've looked at videos, I mean halfway through it, I just I just forget that. And I sit on a stool and I just start talking to people and it just flows out. And it's like you, mm-hmm. you tap into source and it just flows through you because you're in the now. You know, people get lost in their imagination. They get they get trapped by their imagination and they have a stake in the outcome because they're imagining what this is going to do. So like I said, there's all these side parts that you're not looking at and you're not seeing because you're you're trapped in that that stake that you've got in it being the way you imagined it would be. You know, and, and half the people don't even understand how the world works. They don't understand anything about this electric language. They don't understand that that there is not even any real matter. It's all just condensed energy, everything, you know. So, yeah, I think a lot of people get stuck in their imagination, brother. I really do. I mean, I think it it can be imagination, but it can also be a trap, you know, and um, people need to open themselves up and be prepared to to move onto other paths. I really really think they, they do, you know. Yeah. How would you say maybe connecting, like, one of the old things that sat with me before I, you know, moved, you know, to Asia was when old style Japanese people were asked where they did their thinking. They used to point to their center, their hada, you know, whereas Western people would point to their head. So it's very interesting having a different brain in their guts and their system. I mean, it's changed here, no doubt, over the last, you know, 40, 50 years. But uh, what what do you feel about that? You know, I've heard we have a secondary brain in our guts, our will, you know, uh, at the center of our body, you know, connecting that perhaps to the imagination. Have you had? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is. This is stuff that the uh, Native Americans used to talk about their will. If you look at even with the Don Juan books and stuff, you know, right. the, uh, the yucky Indians, like when they, they'd, they'd attach their will to something, like jumping across a river or whatever, you know, they could attach their will to that rock and it would literally, the rock would pull them, you know. So I, I think this is possible. I mean, look at some of the stuff. 
the shell in monks. Yeah, so so will is important. I mean, your your will to achieve. But like I said, it's it's when you get a stake in that outcome is the problem. You know. So, but I I think they were totally uh, correct with all this sort of stuff. I mean, a lot of the the native cultures around the world have a completely different way of looking at things. Even when you start looking at the matrix, you know, jumping across the buildings and to, to believe that you can do this and knowing it's a knowing. That's why I've often said belief is the enemy of knowledge because, you know, you believe in something and and this this sort of messes up the way you think about things. You know, knowledge doesn't need to be believed. Knowledge is just known, and um, not there is no belief required when you know something. You know, and and knowing that you can do things, having that confidence in yourself and your will to achieve, your will to believe in yourself, really is what it comes down to. You know, and there are no obstacles here that you cannot overcome. Even some of the the ancient stories that I've seen of some of the like the tunnels that are built that are apparently built with will. Mm. I mean, you're kind of getting into really esoteric ground here. Sure. I mean, this story there was a a story of a um, a Tibetan monk who lived high on a, on a mountain, and he just lived on nettles. That's all he lived on. And there were people who used to go and see him. And he, he was so skinny because he just lived on nettles and he'd basically gone a bit green because he just lived on nettles. And people would go and see this guy and, and ask him about reality. And he would say, it's it's all fiction. You can you can mold reality like, like Play-Doh. And to demonstrate it to one of his students, apparently he put his hand on the wall and he pushed his hand into the wall, into the stone wall, up to the elbow. And apparently you can still go to that cave. Tourists go and climb up to that cave to see the hole that he put in the rock with his hand. You can see the fingers and the whole thing. So, you know, I think we're capable of, of just about anything through our will if we can really realise what we're here for and, and the, the power that we have. You know, and I think some of these Shaolin monks, some of the stuff they do, jumping up cliffs and, and bending steel and levitating things, I mean... All of this can be done. All of this is possible. Even when you, when you look at the power of will, it explains how a lot of the ancient monuments were built and stuff, mm. you know, because there's no way we can do this. Mm. Uh, I think yeah. the technology that they used to do a lot of this stuff was inner technology. We're trying to create these machines which will do this stuff for us, levers and pulleys and machines and this and that. We can do it all with ourselves. We have technology in ourselves which far surpasses anything we can do. Well, we've had a lot of it taken and removed from us. We're just not taught that it exists. Something about the English language is that there aren't words in English to explain spiritual concepts and explain no. these type of concepts. You know, the words simply don't exist. So, you know, I often use the word Dharma, the Indian word Dharma, to explain it to people. I mean, what is Dharma? Dharma is, is finding the, the right through the machine, the white path through life, so that all the cogs of the universe mesh and everything just works and you are working your perfect path through life and nothing ever phases you, nothing goes wrong. It's just your perfect path through life. How do you find it? Well, you find it by doing the right thing at the right time in the right way for the right reason. You know, what is this? You know, what is what is what do you deem to be right? Well, you know, is it is it based in love? Because there are only two energies, you know, fear and love. Is it based in love? Is it based in that energy? And that's how you, I mean, you could write a whole thesis on explaining what the word Dharma means to people. But if you're in speaking Hindi, you've just got to say Dharma. And they know what it means in all of its aspects. We don't have words like that in English. So being an English person and trying to find this spiritual connection to life, you know, we understand reality because we spell in our heads. 
We spell stuff, we apply it to physics, all these man-made concepts. You know, my understanding of reality is based on my understanding of the language that I speak. Because if there aren't words in that language to explain reality, well, how am I ever going to figure it out? You know, so that's what they've kind of done to us, which is why they've pushed English out and made English a universal language, get everybody speaking English because it disconnects them from those higher spiritual concepts, you know. I think that's an important thing to look at as well. You know? And you'll never find the answer to any of this stuff trying to explain it to people in English. And it's 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 people's belief in what physics says is possible. Now, I would suggest that the only thing that is impossible is that which you believe is impossible. So maybe you should put down your belief and get back in touch with this inner knowing and knowing that you are connected to all it is and that there is no impossibility. There is a world of infinite possibility. Mm. But if there's a single consciousness here and we're all connected and 99% of the people think all this physics stuff is real, well, you know, you're up against, you're sort of fighting an uphill battle trying to get too much done, which is probably why this guy went and lived up on the mountain and just ate nettles just to get away from that energy, you know, so he could figure it out on his own, you know. I would agree. I mean, here's something you may find interesting is I used to have a 1950-something dictionary, huge, you know, big enough to do some damage to someone when you throw it. And at the front, it said to put in every English word ever. That was the intent of this dictionary, right? And, you know, now most of those words have disappeared. But one word that came to me when you were chatting and even at the beginning of our conversation that you don't find anymore was omnify, which meant to, mm. ca to cause to make one. Like you're actually going out, like what you said, we're all one, but mm. it's, not, it's not a concept. You sit on your couch and, you know, meditate on. You actually get off your ass and you go into the world, you know, do as you've done in lots of ways and help the world to become one, you know, help mm. through your actions. Well, it's understanding like the self-work. What is the self-work all about? We get we get lost in this little self. You know, I want to improve myself. You know, you've got to realize there's only one self. We're all part of the self. So you can't just sit there and isolate yourself in meditation and think that all this stuff's going to change the world. You've actually got to take these spiritual understandings that you get from these experiences and apply them to the world that you live in. Mm. I mean, you're in you're in this 3D world with physical stuff around you. It could be a clue there. Perhaps you're supposed <laughs> to participate, you know? <laughs> so, you know, that's what people fail to do. It's, it becomes mm. all about me, 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 me. I'm sitting here in my little chamber and I'm, I'm secluded from the world and I'm good. I'm working on my own growth. And you know, often you're neglecting the self around you because we are all part of the self. I think that's an important lesson for people to, to have an important perspective for people to look at when they're looking at meditation and all these sorts of things. You can't isolate yourself from it. Sure, you can get some, some good knowledge and understandings about yourself and how the body works, but if you're not applying that to the people around you, well, what was the point? You know, you can't just do that and, and sit there and think, oh, wow, I've reached another level. I'm getting closer to guru stage, you know. It, it doesn't work that way. It, it really doesn't, you know. You've got to um, be prepared to look at people and see the reflection of yourself in those people and what you can learn from them, what you can give to them and what you can learn from them, what they can give to you, you know, without taking. I mean, and it, like I said, every experience, you can get something from that experience. They can give something to you. You don't even know. They don't even know that they're giving it to you. It was simply that new perspective that new new thing they said and you know i've had things happen in shops where someone said something to me it didn't mean anything to me and then a week later i'll meet someone on a bus and i'll say something else and i go whoa that's with that and just whoa and I can, I can have this epiphany because i've taken that energy on board and i'm prepared to sit down i don't believe anything like i said belief is the enemy of knowing belief is the enemy of knowledge you've got to 
uh, let these things unfold on their own. And when it becomes self-evident, then it requires no belief, you know. And you can apply all these understandings to your life. And again, I mean, it's kind of difficult being English and speaking English, but, you know, if you can get above that language and look at the emotional language that you are speaking. You know, something that I said in one of my films back in, in 2010, a film, The Awakening, I was talking about the um, the temples in Egypt. A lot of these things aren't temples, they're books. Because mm. you can walk into the temple in Karnak or in Abydos or something like that and you feel this, whoa, what is that, you know? And there's these hieroglyphs around the wall, and the hieroglyphs will, will, to the uninitiated, they're just pretty stories, but to the initiated, they will tell you what that emotion is that you're feeling and how it can be harnessed and spoken. You know, And I would suggest a lot of what this world is about is learning that language of feeling an emotion. I mean, if you're going to leave this world and go to the next world, like heaven or ascend to the fifth dimension, whatever people think it is, whatever their concept is, their belief system dictates what it is, you know, when you get there, I guarantee you're not going to have this physical body with you and you're probably not going to be speaking in this language that you're speaking now. What you're going to be speaking in is higher languages of feeling and emotion. And this is what you came here to learn in this world. If you are not equipped with that knowledge when you leave this world, then you're destined to come back and do it again and learn, try to get the, the knowledge again. I think that's why they've destroyed so much of the ancient world. But the way to do it is still there. The way to get in contact with this language is still there. You know, we can still talk to people. I say you could call it tele telepathically, but really it's emotionally. Mm. You can feel the emotion in a room when you walk into a room. Like if a couple's been fighting, you walk in there and go, oh, I can cut the air with a knife. We've all had that experience, you know, because they're charging the field around you. They're speaking a higher language and they don't even realize it. Mm. And we're doing this on every aspect of our lives. And I think that's a lot of what this world's about. I think that's why those ancient structures existed, to teach you, to help you understand that language of feeling and emotion. Because you're going to need it when you leave here. And if you're not equipped with it, well, you're going to come back and you're going to keep coming back. I actually was speculating um, a couple of um, reports ago that I think we actually come back and live the same life over and over again in the same time zone. Uh, and this would explain deja vu to me. While we have that moment of deja vu, and you know you've done this before. And I, I pointed out that um, when I actually stepped off the path that I was on and stepped onto the new path I'm on now, and just allowed things to unfold and allowed this this path I'm on to be related to my own spiritual growth and applying that to the world and everything I've just gone through. I haven't had a deja vu since then. It's like I changed the fate or the destiny that I had constructed for myself before, and I don't have any of these deja vu experiences anymore. I haven't had a deja vu in like 17 or 18 years because hmm. I don't know what's around the corner. I have no plans. I'm totally out of whatever element I was in. I mean, I never, ever expected I'd be living in Mexico I never thought I'd have a great cat. I mean, I didn't expect any of this stuff, you know. And here I am, and I'm just letting the world guide me where it wants to guide me. And I don't have those experiences anymore. I think I've changed the path that I generally walk when I come to this world. And I think I've done this over and over again, and I would suggest a lot of people have. And, you know, the more we come here and we have babies and rah, 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 and, and they go through and don't learn, and so the population grows. It just keeps, you know, excelling. And uh, I speculate that a lot of why they've done this is to to harvest people's souls. I want people to come here and have no spiritual growth so they can harvest their souls at the, at the end of the experience. I mean, this is still stuff I'm going through in my head and trying to work out. But I think we're kind of in a bit of a people farm, a bit of a soul farm, but we have an opportunity to get through it. And and if we can get through it, I, I think we can 
save the rest of the souls as well because it's a single consciousness. There's really only one of us here. So uh, it's it's kind of getting into really esoteric ground. But I think there's a lot to that. I think we can change our path. We can change our destiny. That's why I don't believe in, in fate or destiny or all that sort of stuff. I mean, you can create that. You can, you can fate your own reality. You can destine your own reality to failure the way we always do. But you know we've got to we've got to really look at things from a, a higher uh, perspective. I think a higher harmonic, and realize that we can change it. And I think a lot of us probably have done this enough times that we can come back now. I wouldn't be surprised if some of us make it through and we choose to come back into this grand amnesiac experiment <laughs> because we know there's only one of us here. Is that good? Me going and saving myself mm. because we're all part of the self. You're never going to save everything by saving your personal self. Sure, it's, it's an important thing to to have your own perspective and realize that you come in here alone, you leave alone, everything I said before, but don't neglect the self. You realize that you can make change to the world simply by being the best you can be, and that's what you come here to do. Yeah. I mean, like I've lived in Mexico myself, and I've also heard different parts of this plane or planet or Earth give you different feelings. Have you found your dreams changing or your interactions with people? I've had some strange experiences living in that part of the world, Mexico City. I don't know if you've ever been to Tepas land yet, you know, up the mountain there, an hour and a half south of Mexico City. But uh, have you found your dreams have altered any significantly in moving no, to the location? Look, I'm still I'm still looking. I feel I feel still pretty much like a fish out of water here in many ways. I mean, it's not something that I expected to uh not, not even where I expect it to be. I still can't speak Spanish properly, so it's very difficult for me to communicate with people. I think it's one of my, my missions to be here is, you know, come on, Max, you've been here two years. You still can't speak the local language. That's disgraceful, you know. So I need to slap myself around a little bit for that one. Problem is I've got too many English speakers around, and I'm always so busy doing the work that I do that I just don't have time to learn another language. And the thing about Mexican or Spanish it's interesting. You can learn words, and I learn all these words. I'll learn 50 words, and I've got them down pat. And when I try to put them into a sentence, they're all different words. <laughs> you know, like you'll learn a phrase, and, oh, you don't have to say that phrase. We've got one word for that phrase. Mm. Uh, why didn't I just learn that, you know? So it's it's kind of a little frustrating that way, but it's it's good. It's, it's uh, helping me grow. It's helping my mind stay active. But I, mean, I think I've still got some purpose here. Every time I go to leave, something happens and I have to stay here. So I'm just going with the flow, you know. I do make all these plans. I've planned to go back to Australia like three times in the last two years. And uh, it still hasn't happened because something always just prevents it happening. Nothing that I had planned. But because I don't really have a stake in the outcome, I've just been vaguely thinking, well, I'll go back to there this day. Well, no, you're not. You're doing <laughs> something else. So, you know, it's it's interesting. So I'm, I'm totally open to, to all of it. I mean, I don't know where I'm going to end up. I thought I would end up in Peru if anywhere. Because I've, I've been to Peru so many times, and I do like the place. But then, I mean, Mexico is great. I mean, I love the people. I love the culture. I, I do feel very at home here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm totally open to it, brother. That's the thing. I don't know where I'm going to end up. I honestly don't. I might end up back in Australia. I could end up anywhere. So, I mean, I think the world's going to pretty much fall apart this year. So who Seems knows to what's going to happen? You know, we, we could end up in places we never expected to be. So uh, I'm, I'm sort of enjoying it really i'm enjoying the um the mystery of life at the moment you know and not really having that security that people seem to crave you know I've, and like i said i mean my whole life has prepared me for this i've been in rock and roll bands most of my life living out of a suitcase when i came to mexico i had two small suitcases and a travel guitar and a laptop that was it and i'm quite happy to leave with that as well when i travel i go traveling for six months now and i just take carry-on luggage when i when i travel i mean 
I only need three or four changes of clothes and a, and a computer, and I'm good to go. You know, so um, yeah, I mean, it's all it's all the great mystery to me, and I'm kind of enjoying the ride. It's like being on a roller coaster, and not knowing what's around the corner, and I'm fine with that. I don't need that type of security. I tried that. It, it didn't lead anywhere because, again, you're judging yourself and you're judging what your life's success is and what, what you need to do by those parameters of the system. Even when and they started restricting people, well, you know, we're gonna, not going to let you go to any of the government-designated enjoyment zones, such as restaurants, theatres, parks, all this sort of stuff. I'm going, I don't go to any of those places anyway. It doesn't affect me at all, at all. Like the whole COVID restriction thing, I didn't change my life one single bit. The only thing that changed was that I couldn't get an airline ticket out of the country. Mm. But I ended up doing that anyway. I just Because when I decided it was time to leave, I just thought, okay, well, I want to leave, so there's a process. I'll have to do it. And I just navigated my way through it, and I got out of the country with no jabs, no PCR tests, no masks. Travel. I travelled all through Singapore and everything to get to the United States, and they were running around in Singapore airport dressed like Smurfs. They all have blue plastic on and masks and visors. And I'm just walking through. They're all coming up, running up, going, mask, you know. I just showed them this, this tag. I says, I'm exempt from wearing a mask for a valid reason. This, I am exempt for a valid reason. And that was it. That was the, I had that around my neck. I picked it up at the markets, you know, $2. And um, they're going, I haven't seen that exemption anymore. You know? And if you flip it over, there was three websites you could go and visit, which explained why mm. you can't ask me what my valid reason is, because you might be uh, against the uh, um, Disability Discrimination Act and all this sort of stuff. Mm. My valid reason was that I knew COVID was a fraud. I mean, this is a valid reason to me, so I'm not I'm not participating in any of your rubbish. No, so, but I just got through. I got through the whole thing. I managed to come through the United States, got through Mexico, got everywhere, and, and I, I never participated in the whole I didn't change my life in any way except that I left Australia near the end of it because things were just getting too dystopian. And I, I just had this intuitive feeling that if I didn't leave, I was going to be silenced because I was speaking out pretty outrageously. I'd already been kicked off pretty well everywhere, all my platforms, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, iTunes, iHeart, SoundCloud, like everywhere you can think of. They just don't want me there. I don't want people getting this message. And I was just, oh, it might be time to leave. And again, I just threw myself to the wind, and and here I am. Everything's just worked out great. So yeah, it's the way it goes, brother. No, I hear you. That's why I took out of Canada at twenty twenty, just January. I had the feeling that uh, you know they shut down our print, they shut down all kinds of things, and we just couldn't. You know, they locked us out of our warehouse. I remember we were doing print for twelve years, and a lot of your articles were actually in our print magazine in New Agora. Hey, check out newagora.ca. I'll let everyone know. Got a lot of Max's old. Uh, uh, articles, information, links to some of the videos as you can still uh, find them. So, you know, it's how I came across Max, you know, back in the day by doing a lot of research on people that were sharing intelligent, wonderful, evolutionary and freedom related uh, bits and pieces. And Max was one of the, uh, you know, the founders. So, um, you know, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything you've done. You know, I appreciate it. I really want to get into the human farming, but I think that might be a conversation for another day because that sounds like something deep and it's really something with Waitiko and Paul Levi and the mind virus and, we could do a whole yeah. show on that, brother. We yeah. could do a whole whole hour discussion on that. Yeah. But at any time, I'm happy to come on and have a chat with you anytime, Lorenzo. It's always good to talk to you, brother. And thank you for, for saying that. That's that's very encouraging for, for you to say that, very humbling. You know, because I mean we, we don't know. We don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You know, half the time when I do the radio shows, I mean, like I said, I go off script and it's just a free flow of thought. And uh, I just hope it comes out right, you know. But, you know, half the stuff that I'm saying to people when I get into these spiritual talks on, on air is, you know, I'm, I'm figuring it out as I'm saying it, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, it's just it's just uh, an open free flow of, of, of 
thought that it's coming from somewhere, you know? So, yeah. Thank I you. agree. No, you were an inspiration. You don't have to agree with everything everyone says, but if you find the path of why they're doing what they're doing, or you, you look under into the core of their bravery or their intent or their guy, their purpose, you know, maybe, you know, you can find yours through the, uh, you know, I've, I've read somewhere, you know, steady heroes and steady people doing things outside the box. You want to change your life for the better because it can give you some good inspiration. So, you know, once again, thank you so much for being here, Max. I appreciate My your pleasure, time. Bro. Uh, I will leave. Uh, is the Crow House uh, website and everything still active? Is it? Is yeah, yeah. The Crow House is still good. It's still that old HTML website. I still haven't updated it. I'm thinking about it, but uh, yeah. But so, no, thank you, brother. And we'll do it again soon, eh? Okay, I'll leave the links below. Max, thank you so much for joining us. I love you all very much. If anybody has any questions or suggestions, all intelligent participations are welcome, and I'm happy to share them along. Thank you again, Max, and I hope to see you soon. Freedom first is what I say